Well, hey, my name is Pastor Nick Newman, and I want to say welcome to you. If you are here with us for the first time, I think you picked an incredible weekend. Baptism is an incredible opportunity where you and I get to celebrate with people who are going public with their faith, and we believe that God's going to do some incredible things today. Church, could you do me a favor? Help me welcome everybody here for the first time. We're pumped that you're here. And hey, if you are a first-time guest, as Matt said earlier, fill out that Connect card. Stop by the Welcome Center as you leave. We'd love to exchange that for a gift as our way of saying thanks for being with us today. If it's your second time as well, uh, we would love to give you a gift. We are uh, uh, Baptism works a little bit different than a normal Sunday, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over uh, a few announcements with you really quick, and then we're going to open God's Word together. After that, we're going to dismiss those who are scheduled to be baptized, and some of you aren't scheduled to be baptized, but we've prepared for you, so you'll get baptized today, and I'll tell you about that later. But we're going to go through some announcements, open the floor for baptism uh, after I deliver the message. We're going to sing a song while people change clothes, and then we're going to do baptism right in here, and we're excited. In the first worship experience, we had the opportunity to baptize two people, and we're pumped about it, so come on. But a few things coming up around Propel Church. Uh, next weekend is Group Expo. So here at Propel Church, we believe that the church has to grow larger and smaller at the same time. Especially as we grow, we're seeing almost 400 people a weekend now. Uh, you need a place where people know your name, where they know who you are, and that you can get connected. So uh, we would love to help you find a group next Sunday. You're going to hear a message on community and then have the opportunity to plug into a group. Then after that, the following weekend is February 23rd, and we're kicking off a 90-day giving challenge. So Malachi chapter 3, God says to test me in this. And he's talking about finances. He says to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And if you do that, see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven. And so what we believe as a church is if God gives us the opportunity to test him, it's to deepen our trust in him. And so we want to create an opportunity where you can take a next step and begin giving with no strings attached. So for 90 days, if you begin to give and at the end of those 90 days you feel like God hasn't blessed you, you simply come to us and tell us that and we'll give you every dime of it back. Because right. we believe that we want to give you an opportunity to take a next step. And then last, if you can't prepare to give, there's three ways to do it. You can give in-house through the giving envelopes you received on your way in. You can give at our website, propelled.church slash give or you can try text to giving. All of those are simple and easy ways to give. Regardless of how you give, we want to say thanks for partnering with us financially. And today, you're going to get the opportunity to see a beautiful depiction of what your generosity goes towards as we see people take their next step and go public with their faith through baptism. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into Scripture. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much um, for just the time and the ability to open your word today. Lord, we pray that we would hear from you louder than ever. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we open scripture today, I'm going to teach to you a message that Peter has preached consistently. In fact, um, so as a traveling pastor at times, what you do is you end up uh, finding that one message that you taught that was really, really good, that you did really well on. Tori used to travel with me like early on. I taught the same message at like 47 different places because it was that good. And so, 
Peter has been preaching the same message. Every time he has the opportunity to speak, every town, square, environment, Peter is there. And he's, he's not only in the town square preaching this. Every Sunday morning, Peter is preaching the same message over and over and over again. And so as Peter's preaching this message, it's, it's really clear. It's really simple. But, but could you imagine for a moment if you came and 52 Sundays a year, I preached the same exact message. Yeah, some of y'all would be like, we'd be finding another church. <laughs> but really, as I was looking at it and I was deep diving into Peter's story and the three things that he talks about over and over and over again, one of the things that I see is Peter's three points are really my three points. There's the three things that we talk about over and over and over again. I'd love to read you Acts chapter three or Acts chapter two, verse 38. This is what it says. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sin and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So every time Peter has the opportunity to talk, every time he gets the chance to preach, Peter steps up to the stage and he says, I got three points for you today. Repent, turn to God, and be baptized. Hey, repent, turn to God, and be baptized. Repent, turn to God, and be baptized. So what I want to do for the next couple of moments is just kind of break each one of those things down. So if you're taking notes, the first thing is this. Repentance allows us to leave our old way of living behind. So the word repent, or repentance, means to turn from. So, so in other words, say you and I are heading in the direction of sin. I don't know why this is the direction of sin, but this is the direction of sin. <laughs> So the direction of sin is this way, and this is the direction you and I are heading. To repent is to turn directions, to, to have a shift. And that shift could happen in your mind. It needs to happen in your heart because Scripture says that it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks, that your footsteps are actually dictated by what you've got here. So you might have a good head shift, but if you don't have a heart shift, it won't last. Different message. Repentance is to turn. It's to shift directions. Now, for some of us, when we repent, it's kind of like, right? Like we, we just kind of, we, we take those, those baby turns, right? We're not going to go all in with God because we don't know what would happen if we do. So we just kind of one step at a time turn from the sin. It reminds me of a story in John chapter 4. Jesus is uh, on a journey. He's heading to Samaria, not just heading to it. He's got to go through Samaria to get where he's going. And as Jesus is on the way, Scripture says that he sat down at the well and he was thirsty because he's been walking. And so if you don't want to get thirsty, don't exercise. So <laughs> Jesus sits down at the well and as he's sitting there, a woman approaches to draw water. But the, the news of the story is it's about noontime. Nobody draws water at noon because it's one of the hottest parts of the, the day. You draw water when it's cool in the morning or in the cool of the evening. When you show up to draw water at noon, it's because you don't want to see anybody. You don't want to encounter anybody. We find out later that she's got some relationship issues. She's the talk of the town. But Jesus is there. When she doesn't want to meet anybody, she ends up meeting Jesus. 
And as Jesus is sitting there with her at the well, he asks her for something to drink. And she's a little astonished because she's a woman and a Samaritan. But Jesus isn't concerned about your culture. Jesus isn't concerned about your background or your upbringing. What Jesus really cares about is your heart. So Jesus sits there and he's having a conversation with her. And he offers her this thing called living water. He says, you you come to this well every day, but yet you're still thirsty. Every time you try and drink from this well, it doesn't satisfy you. You end up having to come back. But I've got this gift I could offer you. It's called living water, and it creates this bubbling spring within you. It gives you eternal life, and it changes everything for you. Do you want it? And she goes, "Uh, yeah, that sounds great. Jesus says, perfect. All right, do me one favor. You can have it. Just go and get your husband. She says, well, Jesus, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right when you say you don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband. Indeed, you tell the truth when you say you don't have five husbands. That's John chapter 4. Jesus calls her out for trifling. That's John chapter 4. But what's he doing? He's he's showing her, I know your old ways of living. If you actually want to follow Jesus, at some point you're going to have to address where you came from. You're going to have to address the things you used to do and the things you used to be like. So Jesus continues to have a conversation with her. She avoids the subject. She starts talking about where we go to church and where we worship Jesus. At the end of the day, Jesus goes, she says, uh, well, when the Messiah shows up, he'll tell me all that I need to know. And he says, you don't have to look any further. Then it says this in John chapter 4, verse 27. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked him, well, why do you... What do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the towns and said to the people. She goes on to tell a ton of people about all that God had done in her life. That that there was a God who knew everything she ever did, yet still would choose to sit and offer her a gift. Which is a beautiful depiction of salvation. But the point is, she left her water jar. Now, there's some things that you and I have attached to our current way of living. There's some water jars that we have in our own life. And what God wants you and I to do is to leave those things behind in order to turn. Repentance is the ability to not have to carry around your old identity or your old ways of living or the guilt and the shame that you've associated with the way you currently live life. Repentance is the opportunity to leave those things behind and turn in a different direction. The problem is, for what what some of us will do, is we'll turn from sin, but we turn to the wrong source. Because repentance has more than one meaning. Repentance doesn't just mean to turn. The, the word means to return. Right. So, so what happens for, for most of us is we'll, we'll turn from sin. So, so you, you had the ability. You, 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 you figured out the issue that you've got is you're stuck in a drug addiction. So you laid down drugs, but you picked up alcohol. So you turned from one source to another source. Or, or maybe that's not your struggle. So here's what you do. You, you've got anger issues in your heart. And rather than dealing with the anger issues of your heart, you just found an outlet to vent a little bit. You didn't, you didn't find freedom from what you were dealing with. You just ended up finding another outlet for your sin. So to repent is not just to turn from, it's to return to. That's why Peter says, so each of you must repent of your sins and, and, Turn to God. Now, this guy's preaching. 
He's, he's talking to people who know this is a follower of Jesus. He, he's, he's quoting scripture. I mean, it, I think like Sunday school answer, when we talk about repent, the, the expectation is that you and I would just go, oh yeah, Jesus, that's who we turn to. Peter says, it's not that simple for us. You can't just repent and turn. You've got to return to God. Next thing is this. If I turn to the wrong source, my transformation will be temporary. So what happens is you and I are trying to do this walk with Jesus, but we're turning from sin. We're just turning to the wrong stuff. Peter says, if you really want to do this right, deal with your sin. Turn from it. but Make sure what you turn to is God. That you're not just turning from, but you're returning to. And that's the beauty of the story of the prodigal son. See, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories about things that were lost. And it, it concludes with a son who is sitting at his father's dinner table one day. And he's having a conversation with dad. And he says, dad, look, I know, I know you're not dead yet, but I'd really like my share of the inheritance. How do you think that Christmas would go? <laughs> It'd be weird, except here's what we know. The father gives his son what he doesn't deserve chooses to give him his inheritance, and the son goes on, and Scripture says that he lives lavishly and squanders all his money on wild living. Deduct what you want from that. Maybe he threw a party. Maybe he bought a convertible camel. I don't know. Like, he, he, squandered, he blew all his money. He ends up broke, and a famine comes through the land. He, he doesn't have any money, so when you don't have any M-O-N-E-Y, you got to get you a J-O-B. So... He gets a job and he starts working. He left his father's house where he was a son, not a servant, but now finds himself working in another man's farm. And as he's working on this farm, he's taking care of the pigs. And one day as he's feeding the pigs, his stomach begins to growl so significantly that he looks at the pig trough slop and goes, that looks incredible. And in that moment, he has this realization that, that, that he was made for more than filth and muck and mess. But he has the opportunity to look back to dad's house. The problem is his view is a little off because he thinks if he goes back to dad's house, the only way he can return is as a servant, not a son. But his journey is this. Scripture says he gets up and he returns back to dad's house. That's true repentance. Repentance is turning to the heart of your father. It's returning back to your father's house because God isn't here to judge you or to condemn you for the ways or the directions you used to go. Scripture says in John 3.17, for God so, 3.16 is God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We know that one. I love 3.17 because 3.17 says, for God did not come send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So for some of us, the reason why we haven't turned back to God is we think when we get to God, we're just going to find guilt and shame and condemnation for the things that you do. But what you don't realize, go back to Luke 15, you're going to find a father whose arms are wide open, full sprinting towards you to hug you and embrace you because of your decision to come back. Peter says, repent, turn to God. My concern for many of us is that we end up turning to the wrong source and those sources don't have any power. So the other night, Tori and I were having a conversation. We were hanging out at the house, and, and uh, she came to me, and she said, you know, babe, you're so amazing, and I love you. That's what I heard, right? <laughs> Long story short, she needed me to do something. So, so she hands me, 
She hands me her cell phone. She says, hey, my phone's dead. Will you charge it? I said, girl, I got you. So I plug it up, and I go back to doing whatever I was doing, and, and I come back a couple of hours later, and uh, she, she says, um, you know, babe, first of all, I love you. Um, second of all, you, you didn't check to see if my phone charger was plugged into the wall? <laughs> you just said plug it up. <laughs> I mean, right? No, no, what's, what's the point? The, 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 the point is I did the work. It just wasn't connected to anything that had power. And when you and I turn to things other than God, we're connecting to a source that has limited power at best. But when you and I choose to turn from sin and return to God, we're connecting to a power source that has the capacity to bring dead things back to life. And that's what we need. So we turn to God. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. This is Peter's three-point message. Repent, turn from your sin, turn to God. And he says, and be baptized. Now, why would this be Peter's three-point message? Because baptism is incredibly important for you and I. Baptism is not something that saves you and I at all. But what baptism is, is baptism gives you and I the ability to actually see what Jesus did for each and every single one of us. When we go through the waters of baptism, for, for some of us, the reason why we've never gotten baptized is because we're not comfortable enough to share our faith yet, or we're concerned about what other people will think. Here's the thing. The safest place for you to declare faith in Jesus is the local church. If you can't go public with your faith in here, there's no way you're going to be able to do it in your workplace. And so baptism is a symbolic way of ending your old way of life to start your new way of life. Baptism is a symbolic way of ending your old way of living to start your new life with Christ. So for us, the reason why I think God gives us this picture of baptism, if baptism isn't what saves us, you may be going, well, why in the world do y'all talk about it so much? Because we do. We talk about it about four times a year. I take a whole Sunday. I'm going to teach on it. I'm going to talk about the importance of it because we believe in it. And the whole reason is that we believe that you need to be baptized because you and I build our lives on monumental moments. Now, for some of us, that starts, uh, for your parents, it starts at your birth, and there's a monumental moment that, that's there. They're so excited. For you, maybe a monumental moment was your kindergarten graduation because there were great cupcakes afterwards. Now, now, maybe the monumental moment was a little bit different, like a sweet 16 birthday party or your graduation, or it was that wedding shower or your actual wedding, or maybe the monumental moment was your pregnancy announcement, or, or maybe it was the birth of your child. We build our lives around these monumental moments because these are moments that mark us. These moments are things that change us forever and gives you and I the opportunity to symbolize the closing of one chapter and the opening of whatever's next. And God gives us baptism as a symbol to do just that. To look at the old ways of living, the ways that you and I used to do things, the things that we used to do, the, maybe even the, the people we used to hang out or the people we used to be. And we don't have to consistently live defined by those things. As we go through baptism, we recognize that Jesus died in our place so that we didn't have to be stuck in the ways we were. 
And as we get into the waters of baptism and we go under the water, we, we baptize by submersion here at immersion. Sub, I did both, right? We're going to dunk you, so I guess that's technically correct. As you go under the water, some people go, well, why do you do it that way? That's how Jesus did it. Like, I'm not trying to, but like, we don't have to make it overly complicated. That way it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. And as you go under the water, symbolically what's happening is you are being buried with Christ in his death because Jesus died for you. Jesus lived a sinless and spotless life to die in your place so that you didn't have to die for your own sin. And as Jesus dies, the beauty that, that, that happens is you and I have the opportunity to be buried with him, but also resurrected with him. And as you come up out of the water, you are raised to new life with him. The symbol for you and I is that we're not defined by our past mistakes or the person who we used to be, but as we go into the waters, our old life is washed away and behold, new life has come. That you have the opportunity. I don't know what, what the canvas of your life looks like, but you have the ability to have a fresh start in Christ today. Baptism is this beautiful symbol for you and I because we understand that repentance is necessary, turning to God is necessary, but God's desire for you and I is not to have a private relationship with him, but to have a public one. You can look at all the writings of Jesus. Jesus says that, that no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, when a person lights a lamp, they place it on a stand so that everyone in the house may benefit from its light. And what happens is for some of us, we, we, we go, oh yeah, I decided to follow Jesus, but, but there's never been a moment where you've marked it. Like you said a prayer to yourself, and that's great. I'm not saying that's wrong, but here's what I also will say. Jesus was really clear. If you deny me in front of people, I'll deny you before my Father. That the mark of true salvation is not our willingness to say, Jesus come into my heart. It's to say, hey, I've made that decision. It's the bold declaration to say, I'm not, I don't want to be who I used to be. I want to let God be the one who's ruling my life from this point forward. Will I make mistakes? Yes. Baptism doesn't make you perfect. <laughs> I, for, for some of you, that's the reason why you're not getting baptized yet, because you're trying to fix your walk with Christ, and then you're going to get baptized. That's not how it works. That's not how salvation works. That's not how following. It doesn't work like that. You know, you know, you know why. Um, so Jesus is talking to uh, the disciples. They're not disciples yet because he's, he's talking to them about fishing. And he looks at Peter and he says, hey, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of, of men. So Peter was a fisherman, but he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Do you know that you catch fish? and they're filthy. You ain't never caught a clean fish. Jesus calls us fishers of men because it's not our responsibility to catch clean fish. God will do the cleaning once he catches you. Like, like once God gets you, he'll handle all that mess and that junk. You, the enemy's convinced you that you gotta clean up before you come to God. He's a fisher. He knew what he was getting into when he died for you. And baptism? is the symbol for you and I to go, hey, you know what, God? Today I want to be marked that who I used to be is not who I am anymore. 
that from this day forward, I've decided to follow Jesus. Baptism is incredibly beautiful, but it doesn't start at baptism. It starts at repentance. Because everywhere we see in scripture baptism take place, it happens after salvation. So, so for some of us in this room for a moment, the, the thing, like, I'm going to talk about baptism in a, in a moment. I'm going to get you fired up about that. And we're going to dismiss people who are scheduled. There's like nine of you who are scheduled to get baptized. But I think there's more of you that need to get baptized. We'll talk about that in a second. But, but where we start in this moment is some of us need to take that first step to repent of our sins and turn to God. Because we can talk about the external expression of that, but I don't want you to be fooled into thinking that waters of baptism are what saves you. The only thing that saves us is Jesus, is you and I accepting his death as the full payment of our sin. So for just a moment, with every head bowed, every eye closed, for some of you, you've been convinced that God, God's love for you is based on works or on efforts or deeds, and it's not. In fact, God knew you and I would be stuck in our sin. He knew we would be stuck and we couldn't get out, but he made a way for us to have a relationship with him by sending Jesus to die as the payment of our sin. And maybe you're here and you've realized, hey, I'm, I'm trying to turn, but I'm not turning to God. And today is the day you want to turn to God to be the one who's in control of your life. If that's you in here, with every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment, would you boldly lift your hand and say, that's me, that I'm making that decision to follow Jesus. I see those hands. I see those. Here's what we're going to do, church. Nobody prays alone. Let's all pray together. Say this out loud with me. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, stand to your feet and help me celebrate with those who made decisions this morning. And we're not done because we're getting ready for baptism and we're going to dismiss people who want to get baptized today. And some people came in and they're scheduled to get baptized. Others of you aren't scheduled. And so I just want to talk to you really quick about if you need to get baptized or not. So let me, I just want to be super clear. If you are a follower of Jesus who has said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but you haven't gone public with your faith through baptism after that decision, today you need to get baptized. I'm not trying to discredit any kind of decision that you made when you were younger, but here's what I do know, that there's times where uh, maybe your brother was getting baptized and mom was like, yo, all the family's coming in from town, you better get in them waters. You know, that's... Come on, some of y'all grew up with that mama and you know it, right? And, and look, mom's intentions were great. But everywhere we see in scripture, baptism happens after salvation. For some of you, you were baptized as an infant. And I'm not here to say that what your parents did was wrong because their desire in baptizing you as an infant was that you would grow up and you would love God and you would serve God. But nowhere in scripture do we see infant baptism because baptism is declaration of a decision that you've made. And so today, for some of you, you were baptized as an infant, but today you need to go public with your faith, not because you're standing in contradiction of the decision that your parents made, but you're standing in confirmation of it. 
that their desire and their heart was that you would grow up to love God and serve God. And now you get in those waters today to say, hey, I've made that decision with my life to follow Jesus. And I want everybody to know about it. So today, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you said, Jesus is my Lord and he's my savior, you didn't come prepared to get baptized, but we feel like it's our responsibility to remove every barrier that would stand in your way from taking the next step that God's called you to. That's why we do the 90-day giving challenge and give you a money-back guarantee, because for some people, it's a barrier, but we're removing those. We want to give you every opportunity to be obedient to God. So... Uh, we've got t-shirts that we've prepared for you for every, man, I'm trying to throw this at you. We've got t-shirts that we've prepared for you. Now, for some of you, you're like, oh, I don't know. You know, I can't get baptized in my jeans. We got shorts for you and men and women. We got underwear for you as well. We got you covered. Come on. We're ready. We're ready for you. I'll tell you the greatest piece of advice a mentor ever gave me. The excuse only satisfies the teller. For some of you, you're going to make a lot of excuses for why you shouldn't get baptized today. But delayed obedience is disobedience. And we'd love to give you the opportunity to go public with your faith today. This is your moment. This is the moment where you're marked. This is the moment where you look back and you say, I publicly decided to tell people that I'm not who I used to be, but from this day forward, I'm different. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray for us and I'm gonna have you ask God if you need to get baptized today. And, and here's what I'll say, for some of you, you may hear yes and you go, I don't know, that doesn't make sense. Satan doesn't tempt you with the next step to follow Jesus. I'm just, so if you hear yes today, you respond to that. And our team's prepared for you. So I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna count to three And if you're scheduled or you're not scheduled and you want to get baptized today, exit the auditorium doors in the back. Our team's ready for you. You'll have the opportunity to go get changed. We'll continue to worship. And then uh, we'll come in and celebrate uh, baptism together after they're done changing clothes. So let me pray for us and then we'll dismiss. Father, we love you so much. And we're grateful for this opportunity to talk about baptism, to hear about what you have for us. And Lord, we're asking in these moments, we're coming to you as obedient sons and daughters of a king to say, God, if you want us to get baptized, we'll follow through with that. Lord, I pray you'd bring wisdom and clarity. And if the answer is yes, God, I pray you'd give them boldness. So if you want to get baptized today, I'm going to count to three. One, man, you are not alone and we are for you. Two, we're praying for boldness and courage. Three, you can exit now. Come on, church, help me celebrate with those people today.